T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Two down. Cubs lead by a run. Tying run at first. Martinez at the plate. Bryant guards the line at third. Here we go. Montgomery's pitch. A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. The Cubs come pouring out of the dugout. Jumping up and down. Like a bunch of delirious 10-year-olds. The longest drought in the history of American sports is over and the celebration begins. Come on, Eddie. Operation's got to be smooth. Patrick Scales on the ball. This for a Bears win. Snap. Placement down by O'Donnell. Kicked by Eddie Pinheiro. Kick. He's up. No. It is no good. He missed it as time expires. Oh. 17-16. Chargers the win. I thought it was good. It's going to be a different kick in the right half, and it's going to be a different kick in the middle. For that last one, do you want the left half? Um, no, I didn't, but, I mean, this is what it is. What would you prefer on that? Yeah, he just got me on that one, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, I mean, would it be, is the center I mean, ideal for you in that, in that situation? I guess, I don't know. We have a communication process that we use, and you know we we uh, we understand everything that that just went on in this past game, and he he knows it, we know it, um, and for us we've moved on. You know that's something that uh, we have a clear communication process. We used it, and we we uh, we've all talked about it, and we're we're literally on to the Eagles right now. So that's it's uh, it's for us. We just felt like in that situation where we were that we're we're good to go. So I'm sorry to report to my friends in Chicago, the nightmare continues. Chicago Tribune sports page. Really? Column by Stephen Rosenblum. Steve Rosenblum. You know him? Never heard the name before yet. Steve Rosenblum. I think Chance the Rabbi is the way to go. Brian Peruk. Well, when's he coming back? I said, do you want to come back? And it was an emphatic no. We're glad he misses us. Sitting in for Mike Esposito, who's sitting in for Jordan Burnfield, who's sitting in for Wayne Randazzo, who's sitting in for Mark Grody, who's sitting in for Brian Peruk. It's Matt Spiegel. This is funny because we're trying so hard to make this funny and it's not funny. They suck so you don't have to. Baseball is full of suck right now. For some reason, they sing. With a duck duck here and a quack quack there, right? Take the last train to Turdsville and we'll meet you at the station. Take the last train to Turdsville. They're in need of sanitation, don't you know? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. They won't stop singing. Lido. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a master's course 
in stupid. You're tapping two kegs of stupid, and it is really flowing. What percentage is five bucks uh, on a hundred? They have celebrity rebukes. This is Wayne Messmer, Senior Executive Vice President of the Wolves. You know, in all my years involved in sports and many teams, I have never been involved with something that sucks so badly. The three words that best describe this show are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. It's Rosenblum and Spiegel on WSCR, 670 The Score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Go 11.06 Saturday morning. We have the perfect text to start the show from 708. Suckage Saturday. Yes, it's Saturday suckage, but it doesn't have to be in the right order. It's whatever you want it to be. In fact, just move the letters around. Saturday suckage Saturday is the WB Club's answer. That's that's our code word, our password for getting in. I thought that I was going to class up the joint. You know, maybe Saturday Sakaj. Sakaj. French. Fromage Sakaj. No, yes. now you're. Okay, so you have to explain your absence last week. I will. And your name change. I'm not sure. I thought I was working with Matt Spiegel. Oh, and now he and Lynn Bramer have decided he's. Who are you? You're Max. Max. Matt Max? I'm at Matt Max. Are you just Max? You're just well, one uh, named. Dan Plesak called me Max. Um, it's all right. <laughs> I've only spoken to him on the radio, I don't know, 40, 70 times. <laughs> but I've always been. I thought been, those relievers always had a book. It's okay. I've always been the other guy. You know, he's buddies with McNeil, long time uh-huh. guy. Um, I think that uh, every time he and McNeil are on together, you hear the story about how uh, McNeil, he picked off McNeil, I believe, in high school. In a high school baseball game. Can't get enough of that story. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, and uh, he and Bruce go way back. So I understand it. I am the other guy. And Matt. <laughs> the other guy. Matt sounds a lot like Max. That was Max. a good movie. Yeah. You're the one who shot Jeter. Uh-huh. I love that. So, and if you're, a, if you're a media guy named Matt, you will be eventually called Max. By most people. Okay. So now the, the cast is two. He and Tony Esposito. The best was Tony O did that in person. Tony O in studio uh, several, several years ago. Um, and he looked me in the face and called me Max. Called you Max. And you don't, you don't correct Tony O. At that, you know, you just let him roll. No, because he's a goaltender. He's been hit in the head so many times. He's not going to remember anyways. Yeah. So he just left it exactly like it was. So he's, I, I don't know, for lack of a better name, Matt Spiegel. Mm-hmm. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Now, you need to, we heard the high, uh, the anniversary three years ago, the Cubs ended a 108-year drought, or their first 107-year drought. They won their first title in 108 years. Mm-hmm. And then you heard the low of Tom Thayer going all Ron Santo before Jeff Joniak told you that Eddie Pinero sucked and the Bears sucked too, and they missed um, so we'll get to that, but I need to hear, our audience needs to hear your story of your explained, your unexplained, but now explained absence. I think it's wonderful. 
Well, last week, it was just in um, South Carolina for a wedding, uh, my wife and I. But I think the story, the part of it that you're referring to is on that Saturday, um, when I was not on the air with you, I decided to go and visit the local ballpark down there, the Greenville, South Carolina ballpark, the Greenville Drive. And I did not know they were there until I got there and then found out. And it's a Red Sox affiliate. They built themselves a miniature Fenway. You couldn't have picked a better place. Who knew? It just showed up. There Who was- knew? <laughs> and, and, and they had, and there was a race. There was a 10K that was finishing inside the ballpark. I love that. I love that idea. That's what that's and all of Greenville, all of Greenville turned out. Yes. And so we got to just walk right into the ballpark and hang out in the little ballpark and cheer on some runners. Woo! The faux Fenway. Yeah. Yeah. And go down there and take a picture with the Greenville Drive mascot who looked exactly like Wally, the Red Sox mascot. Did, did they have the Greenville wall? Uh, the big green, the big Greenville monster. Is that what they called they had, it? They had a Greenville monster down there. And then outside... You know who could play that Greenville monster? Who's that? Better than anybody? Who's that? Yes. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he could. The, uh, you mean today? Yes, now. <laughs> um, and, he and looked I, pretty good. He did. Playing catch with his grandson. So on the way out, I see that there's plaques all over the stadium there. Different people from South Carolina. Tommy Lasorda, Jim Rice from South Carolina. Just people who were from there. And then, like, all the people who had come up there. Anthony Rizzo played there as a Red Sox farmhand. I did not know that. Yeah. and then the Las- uh, Wait, the Lasorda thing? was That that was a the, old the, Dodger? No, it's just Lasorda's from South Carolina, apparently. I thought it was- I thought, I thought it was, it was Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Me I too. Norristown, PA all this I time. I, I don't know. Tommy's from wherever they give free pizza. Right. And then there's a giant. He's from Connie's Pizza down the street. There's a giant picture of Shoeless Joe Jackson. Enormous picture of Shoeless Joe Jackson. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, Shoeless Joe from down here. Uh-huh. And then as I'm leaving, I see this little tiny house across the street. And I go across the street and I, I, I see the plaque there. It is the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. Wait, just for Shoeless Joe Jackson? It was his house that where oh, he lived okay. and died, and they picked up the house. When they built this ballpark in 2004, they picked up the house from a couple miles down the road and brought it and placed it across the street from the ballpark and turned it into a museum. It's the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. How many rooms is this museum? Uh, four. <laughs> how did you find that out? Because Well, so I take a picture in front of it. I tweet the picture tweet some of the pictures of the ballpark and say too bad it's closed and then somebody tweets at me later in the day and says hey let me know if you want to take a tour of the museum <laughs> is somebody wait a minute. from greenville is, following you wow. on why is greenville south carolina following maybe they just did a search for shoeless joe jackson museum they do it every day like hey somebody <laughs> yeah, talked about yeah, it somebody's, somebody's here marge they tweet at me and i tweet back at him we end up messaging and uh, i say why you want to meet me at seven in the morning before we catch our flight and he said my dad will meet you there at seven in the morning and it turns out it's a chicago guy dan wallach is his name arlington heights Former bar- oh, the Arlington Height Wallace. Yes, former bartender at Yaxies over there in Wrigleyville. He isn't everyone. <laughs> I think so. And his parents. <laughs> he probably knows Lynn Raymer from many opening days. He does. He does. He's been the bartender there for opening days, 100%. <laughs> but his parents retired to Greenville, South Carolina like a decade ago, and he started going down there. And there's articles written about him in the Sun-Times and other places. He started going down there, and he's, and he's a baseball junkie, as is his dad. And they started to visit the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. 
And he went there, and they're like, oh, nice that you're here. Do you play baseball? I said, yeah. Do you, what position? He said, I played second base. Oh, so they said, okay, we're having a vintage baseball game on Tuesday against the people from the Ty Cobb Museum, <laughs> and we need a second baseman. And now he plays every year. He plays every year. So do they have all the individual museums? This would be like if you had a presidential museum softball league. Is that, right. is that what this is? Exactly. Who, the Ty Cobb Museum plays against the Shoeless Joe Museum every year. That's right. The winner takes on the Willie Mays Museum. Oh, you know, it's, and, and they wear like old uniforms. They do the thing. And so this year, I guess the person who ran the museum was retiring. And they say to him, hey, you know, you come down here a lot. You like it. You want to run the museum? And he said, Yes. I can send my dad down to open the door. His dad has been working down there, and now he's going down there. So anyway, his dad met me the next morning, and I learned everything that I could possibly learn about Shoeless Joe Jackson, including that he, you know, some of the context here is we are in the 100th anniversary for the Chicago White Sox Black Sox. Right. That Shoeless Joe hit the hell out of the ball in that World Series. He threw three guys out. Would have thrown another guy out if Eddie Seacott didn't cut off the ball intentionally because he was in bed with the gamblers. Shoeless Joe was overwhelmed and uh, uneducated and got taken advantage of mm-hmm. and and did not deserve to be banned from baseball forever. But here he is, banned from and baseball forever. There has forever. long been the... the, the the march, the 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 process, the the pleadings to get his whatever's left of his his name to yes. be to be to to become to to get some kind of pardon for that because of the mounting evidence and it just seems to be and there seems to be a growing the hundred year anniversary has prompted a lot more of this outpouring of look let's take a look at all this find out how dirty they actually were and whether it was a Kind of saw Mount Landis was just there to make sure everybody, everybody, the hanging judge, yes, just to make sure everybody got hung. We're all clean. We're all this. And and I remember interviewing when the Sox went to the World Series. I interviewed Elliot uh, Asinoff, and I interviewed Studs Terkel. And Studs was ninety six, ninety seven, but as vocal and as angry as ever. And I said about the Sox in the world before I got it out. Mm. He's a Comiskey's the guy. Come, don't tell me about the throw. Comiskey's the guy, and then he starts going off, swearing at him, going, "Studs, I want to be like you, right That's to the end, awesome. right to the end." But, so that was it, and you were swinging a bat in in one of your tweeter machine things. Yeah, holding an exact replica of Betsy, um, which was the bat that Shoeless Joe played with, and it is it's so thick thicker than you'd ever imagine around the handle crazy thing because his hands were enormous and so strong but you know babe ruth said he modeled his style on shoeless joe jackson in terms of hitting Mm -hmm. ted and and he credited him for that ted williams was a huge fan and tried to get shoeless joe reinstated i didn't know that yeah and here at at the museum they have multiple denial letters from different commissioners throughout history saying no. No. The latest of which is from Rob Manfred saying, I think history has spoken and I won't be changing that anytime soon, essentially. Right. Well, he can't figure out whether the runner should run in fair territory or foul territory. Baseball sets up a rule where you have it's going to look stupid. So yeah. it's never going to get this this conspiracy it, right. It made me want to go back and watch Eight Men Out, which is a terrific movie by John Sales about the 1919 Black Sox. And it yeah. also made me... John uh, Cusack is Buck Weaver. Absolutely. 
And uh, D.B. Sweeney, I believe, is Shoeless Joe. He jumped out of a plane. We haven't found him yet. <laughs> That's D.B. Cooper. Oh, but I'm thank sorry. you for playing. Yeah, D.B. Sweeney is Chelly's guy. But and and I I told this to uh, to the marketing man himself um, uh, of the White Sox, Works Boyer. Yeah, I told it to him, but it was too late, and I don't know whether they would have done it. They should have merchandised the hell out of the 100 year anniversary of the Black Sox. Good guys wear black socks. <laughs> black Sox night. Yeah. You know, Shoeless Joe night. Sure. You know, I mean, history actually looks back on that and it isn't the stain on the franchise that uh, that perhaps they still think it is a hundred years later. So back in the old days you I would have had a Bessie night. There used to be bat day or bat night uh-huh. at ballparks and I, I know they, the ball night and the, they used to have that and I think one time in Dodger Stadium, everybody threw their bats or their balls at Pete Rose when the Reds came into town. So he <laughs> stopped that. But but there would have there could have been Betsy night. Yeah. You get the bats on the way out, so you go fight and spill blood in the parking there lots you go. as opposed to in the stadium. And I brought my wife. Uh, I brought her home a Shoeless Joe Jackson T-shirt, and she said, "I don't want that." I don't. <laughs> that's, that's Why good. would you think I would want that? <laughs> no. I so don't maybe think, I'll I, give it away to somebody. I don't think there's any woman anywhere who would want. The word shoeless attached to her in any way. Uh, that yeah. is these these the things they think about most, other than what, other than your general debauchery and and behavior. Mm. It's shoes. So I I love that story. I'm thank you for sharing with the class. Um, there's a six three zero texter museum with one and a half bath. I love that. Was there a bathroom in there? There absolutely was a bathroom. There was a bathroom? Yeah, his original bathroom <laughs> was, was there. Shoeless Joe. I didn't use it, but I could have. Number two. Yeah. Okay. Number uh-huh. one, number two. We, um, well, that's it. I love that story. Okay. I should tell you who's here today. Yeah. Matt Spiegel or Matt Max or whatever Lynn Bramer's going to name him. Uh, 1140, Mark Grody will be here before he gets on a plane. If the airport's good to him, we'll talk to him. Uh, about the Bears' next loss in Philadelphia. Oh boy! And if uh, and David Schuster was intending to come on at noon and tell us about the the Bulls' next uh, last loss, but they managed to be worse than the better than the Pistons. The Pistons. There's Derrick Rose winning games for the for the Bulls again. Derrick I- Rose had an awful <laughs> the awful last two minutes, and the Bulls won because of that. Mark Gonzalez will be here at 1240. Some some great stuff going on with the Cubs. The Chris Bryant stuff, I know you and Bruce discussed it earlier. The Bryant stuff. And Gonzo has a trade. He's worked out a trade for Chris Bryant. 1 o'clock, Mark Potash will be here. He apparently is not on Grody's flight out east to uh, to Philly. Potash, Potsy will be here. We'll talk some bears. And that's our that's our show. Um, our phone number is 312-644-6767. Uh, text line, I don't have to give out. Everybody's already got it, and they, they want to know what parallel universe that you wake up in November. See, Lovey Smith has a better one-loss record than Matt Nagy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the former coach of the Bears and future former coach of the Bears, and we can discuss how Ryan Pace probably needs to be fired because he cannot be allowed to choose the next Bears quarterback. He is O for everything with with choosing the most important position on the field. And um, and uh, Wino Dave wanted me to take. Uh, I was taking attendance at uh, at my Trader Joe's, and mm-hmm. Wino Dave says, "Hey, do I have to listen? Should I listen eleven fifteen, or are you not going to mention me?" And I said, "Wino Dave, why would I mention you? What do you have to add? What do you have to offer? Why are you even of note, Wino Dave?" 
So I'm not going to mention Wino Dave's Good, name. Because he didn't give you anything. No, he gave me nothing. No value. He gave me nothing and I liked it. Not even three buck chuck. Not even you. three buck. It's, yeah. It's two buck chuck elsewhere. It's three buck chuck here because of shipping costs. That's the way it works. <laughs> I wondered if even the coldest sports heart could be warmed by a couple of magical moments from last night. And luckily, I have the coldest sports heart right next to me. <laughs> yes. Well, there were, I, I love the MVP chance. I think it's wonderful and all that stuff. How about him and Joe Noah in the hallway before the game? Uh, and and Joe Noah up there with yeah. his daughter. It's really, it's all great. And then... Then he became the crazed man, and he helped the Bulls win the game with two really stupid plays in the last, you know, 100 seconds. So thank you, Derek Rose. That's the, the, the Bulls now have beaten – they have two victories against team with combined three wins. That's, that's what you do. You, you do against bottom feeders. It's not, it's not easy to find teams that are worse than the Bulls. And then we'll ask the, the choice. And remember, death is not an option. Who's worse in front of their own net, the Bulls or the Blackhawks? <laughs> we'll discuss that. And crap. Rosenblum and Spiegel, Saturday Suckage, or Suckage Saturday as the WB Club wants it known. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, welcome back. 1128, Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum and Spiegel, Matt Max, whatever his name's going to be, Shoeless Matt Spiegel, let's go with that. Um, So the anniversary, three years ago today, Mike Montgomery got a save. And um, earlier this week, the Washington Nationals won a World Series coming from they came from behind, I think, in every inning they ever played. <laughs> Pretty Isn't much. Isn't that a remarkable thing? If if only the there was so good rooting against the misogynistic pieces of fecal matter that the Astros organization represents, and it was so gratifying to see them blow the lead, and to see Garrett Cole sitting there not knowing what AJ Hinch was doing, how it, was he going to have a Madden moment, mm. a John Lester moment, or what? But seeing the Astros lose was gratifying, and seeing the Nationals pull off a real a wonderful underdog story the names the people the thing and this isn't even an anti Bryce Harper thing cuz i got nothing against Bryce i wish i had his talent and his money but that story is almost as wonderful as the vitriol i have for the for the Astros so were you rooting along with me in that world series yeah i was rooting for the nationals um some dave martinez and some I, I just really like the way they play offense, and 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 I love I love launch angle and home runs, and um, I loved what the Twins did this year. I love what a, a lot of these teams are doing, but I do believe that hitters who know how to change with two strikes and change with men in scoring position and become more contact oriented that those guys are the ones I truly respect. It's the second year in a row where that has made a big, big difference in who wins the World Series. So watching Soto and Rendon sluggers also be thoroughly able and willing to sacrifice themselves situationally was a joy to watch that entire offense. And they also had like leadoff guys all over the place and Turner and Eaton and Robles and Kendrick could have lead off for some people. Clutch guys up and down the lineup. Every time you, I I watched 
what they did. A bunch of real good hitters. Right. And and compared it to what the Cubs were, were dying to do, what you were dying for the Cubs to have somebody show up, yeah. be a hero, be a hero, one through one through eight, and then they were here, and that pitching staff was a whole bunch of heroes. Yeah, and, and the pitching staff, and Davey Martinez did what any good manager has to do these days in the postseason, which is to use your best pitchers and maybe their starters as often as you can. I think the... I think it was 153 of 181 innings Mm -hmm. were thrown by either Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Anibal Sanchez, Daniel Hudson, or Sean Doolittle. Those six guys. Well, you go with your best. Your best best players have to be your best players. Your best pitchers have to be your best pitchers. And, And they need to get used on their side days. And they need to they need to get used in relief. Starters need to be used as super starters. Second year in a row, Alex Cora and the Red Sox did it. Um, and hell, it goes back to Trader Jack McKeon doing it in two thousand. Josh Beckett three with Josh Beckett and Dusty and... Baker not doing it with Matt Clement. Here's Dave Ears for you. Exactly. Yeah, big, the so the, so, so was... all of that. But but I, in terms of rooting interest, yeah. I found I shifted in the middle of Game Seven because I loved watching Zach Greinke so much. I just ah. Oh. It, the art of pitching, when you used to throw 94, 95, 96, and now you're throwing 90, 91, but you're sh- slowing down your curveball to 62 or 57, and you can shape your pitches as you go, and you are just fooling a lineup and going deeper and deeper. I loved watching Granky and the way he fields his position and everything. And then I, it's funny, and that, that's when I had the flashbacks. I'm like, wow, he's really he's going to take out Granky for Garrett Cole just because he decided he was going to do that before the game? Who the hell is he, Joe Madden? <laughs> yes, he is. And Kyle Hendricks <laughs> he's, removed. He's going to be Joda. Seriously. Kyle Hendricks removed before he needed to be uh-huh. three years ago Screaming today. Screaming into his glove. Oh, yeah. And removed because he got a terrible call from the home plate umpire that was a walk instead of a strikeout. With a four-run lead. Yes! With a four-run lead. And, and when he had Settle down. What are you doing? But but you know. So I had all those kind of flashbacks yeah. in there. But then it was yeah. I felt good for the Nationals. I, I I enjoyed the outcome of that World Series. It's a couple things about that. Um, do you follow T.J. Lang, former NFL lineman, a Michigander, and I do not. Okay, I did. I this he, somebody tweeted out mm-hmm. this in the wake of the World Series, the Detroit Tigers 2014 rotation. <laughs> Justin Verlander, 2017 World Series champ. Rick Porcello, 2018 World Series champ. David Price, 2018 World Series champ. Max Scherzer, 2019 World Series champ. Annabelle Sanchez, 2019 World Series champ. (laughs) So TJ Lang retweeted that and just said, too too late. I'm sorry, too soon. Too soon. That's what he said. And here's Molly Knight, who writes for The Athletic in L.A. Yeah. Baseball. The pitcher who collected the final out of the World Series was the man who missed an earlier playoff game to attend the birth of his daughter, not the guy in the middle of a domestic violence scandal. Nicely played there. And from our friend Christopher Kampka, the Sultan of the Stat. Mm -hmm. Last two times a team clinched a World Series at Minute Maid Park. In 2005, he was working at Walgreens. In 2019, Walgreens won the World Series. (laughs) It's <laughs> that, that curly W. It is. It's just, it's beautiful. Derek Gold, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, took a picture of a, a Walgreens after I think the, the Nationals won, after they beat the Dodgers, after they won the NL pennant. And 
And he took a picture of Walgreens and tweeted out, Nationals Park is beautiful after these celebrations. <laughs> so that's that. All right, we have, uh, we'll take a break. Are we, is Grody at the airport? Do they let him through security? TSA call? What do we do? Are we going to mm-hmm. expect that? All right, we'll give it a shot. We'll try to get him on as early as possible before his plane boards. And, um, and continue Saturday suckage. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh, hi, Mark. That scream can only mean one thing. Oh, hi, Mark. Nice. Mark Grody joins us on the Alpamonte Ford Hotline. Alpamonte Ford, 500 new and used vehicles to choose from. We choose to talk to Mark Grody on Saturday Suckage. Mark, how are you? Where are you, Mark? Live from live? the Bearport. The Bearport. And yeah, lots of people, lots of airplanes. That's your scene setter here. <laughs> All right, well, TSA has no reason to stop any bear on offense except Allen Robinson. He's the only dangerous weapon they're bringing, so. Oh, yeah. You've been working on that. Yeah, yeah. Is that an Allen Robinson in your pocket, or are you just happy (laughs) to see me? Trying to smuggle him onto an airplane. (laughs) A bear plane. Yeah, so probably do need a little bit more than Allen Robinson, though. So you were watching all this last week, and pick a hash mark, any hash mark. No, don't pick that hash mark, and... And the only thing missing from Matt Nagy's Clown College of Special, along with Chris Tabor, Clown College of Special Teams explanations was, I heard some of it. I didn't hear all of it. I heard part of it because he was like full Matt Trussman in explaining that whole thing by not explaining anything. What did you come out of this with? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, All right. I think I can, here's I did come out of it with something, and that's that they are not. There, there was some sort of breakdown. Obviously, something was not communicated correctly, and nobody is going to tell us at this point what exactly happened, and uh, they they don't feel that we need to know at this point, and. They know what happened, and I don't know. I mean, who, who knows if it was Eddie Pinheiro who didn't express himself properly? Was it Matt Nagy? Was it Chris Tabor? They just have decided that, that we don't need to know the specifics of where, where it broke down. Because obviously it did. There's no way to sugarcoat that. Matt Nagy doesn't seem to understand how stupid he looks in this whole thing. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe it doesn't matter. We're on to the Eagles and whatever it is. But if you didn't need to run a play if you're defending your kneel down by we didn't need to run a play the play before that to get into field goal range then why did you run a play and risk the same sack same fumble same turnover why did you do that he has not satisfactorily answered that so does he have a i know they all always have a get back coach on the sideline do they have a you're being an idiot now coach for a guy who says he's not an idiot he sounds like an idiot this week in a week where he really needs to prop up his credibility. Yeah, and more than anything, he needs, the Bears need a win. And, you know, he he has obviously a, a philosophy and had a specific philosophy in that spot. And to his credit, or maybe the opposite way, he, he stuck with it and you know, doubled down on it and said that he would he would do it again. So 
in that situation, maybe you know, who knows if we get back in that scenario again if things have changed. And you know, part of it too is is you know, he says what he says, but we don't know the deeper conversations, what's really going on, who he trusts, uh-huh. who he doesn't trust, ding, who ding, he's willing, ding. right? Who is willing to actually call out in these situations. So there, there's part of it that he may, Matt Nagy, be taking the hit himself and be willing to accept this public scrutiny as opposed to selling out one of his players. This hour on the score is brought to you by the Illinois Secretary of State's office. Visit www.realid.ilsos.gov. Mark, I feel um, for Matt Nagy because I think what we're watching is a crumbling of the vision of what he thought this team and this offense was going to be. He admitted back in the Denver game that this offense was not ready to be what he wanted it to be, as he showed with the different different plays that he called and the limitations of Mitch. And then he showed this past week that he can't even trust his quarterback to execute a couple of run plays to set up a closer field goal when you've got a timeout in your back pocket. He can't even trust his offense to do that. So then everything he says is 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 just him trying to kind of keep up a normal face and – and, uh, and 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 seem and seem normal when in reality I feel like he's realizing he's in a lot of trouble with his quarterback and that relationship is is severely damaged. Is that a it's fair extreme, read? Yeah, it's extremely well said, Matt. Because right, every it used to be all right. He's he's ripping a couple pages out of the playbook here and there. Mitch is not comfortable with this. He's not comfortable with that. Then he was ripping out chapters. You're right, before the Denver game when it was revealed that they were paring things down. And now he's using a different book, you know? Yeah. (laughs) It's a completely different playbook, a completely different concept. Things that Matt Nagy absolutely does not want to do. Yeah. I mean, even last year when the Bears were winning games, after most games, after you got past the elation of the Bears just scored another touchdown on defense, it was like, okay, what the hell's going on with the run game? How come Jordan Howard's not getting going? What's what's happening here? But this year it's you know, it's kinda gone to the two hundred level course of emergency level for the for the Bears offense this year. And it ha- it has to be awful for Nagy, but I guess to his credit he is now adjusting to it, and I think that, that the game against the Saints where the Bears rushed for nothing and had historically low numbers, I think that game broke them. You know, that was the one where he said, okay, 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 okay. I'm listening. I'm open to different ideas. I'm open to being conservative. I'm open to doing whatever we have to do mm-hmm. to grind out a field goal if that's what it's going to be. So in that vein, do we expect to see the furthering of some of the stuff we saw against San Diego, running the ball with Mitch under center, sometimes the eye formation, whether it's with Holtz or somebody like that as the fullback, and maybe some passing plays with Mitch under center, passing plays out of the eye formation. Do we see that furthered? Absolutely, yes. I think that you, you have to continue to do that. I mean, even in weeks where Nagy was a little bit more conservative and then he tried to go back to his playbook, it didn't work. So I think that he has to continue to do this. I mean, the defense, basically, you know, we talked to Khalil Mack yesterday, and he, you know, he basically said, 
yeah, had not being out there as much made us better. And, you know, he even kind of joked. I think he was actually being totally serious. I shouldn't say he was joking. He was saying that he was he was trying to figure out why he didn't feel as sore this week at practice. And Eddie Jackson said something similar to that um, here on the score. So it's it's a matter of not, not only helping your offense to at least get into scoring position, but it is a matter of finally, finally doing something to help your defense and to compliment them in in some way, even though that's not the way that they that Matt Nagy had initially had hoped that they would compliment the defense. They hoped to bail out the defense by scoring lots of points in certain weeks, and that obviously has not worked out um, since the the famous Tampa Bay game from last year. So yeah, I, I do think you're going to see a grinded out game, really on, for both teams. I think this is going to be an ugly, low scoring, running defensive battle in Philadelphia tomorrow. We're talking with Mark Grody. He's at the Bearport before the Bears go to Philadelphia and get their heads lopped off uh, against an Eagles team that is looking stronger, certainly stronger than the Bears. The Bears in the red zone haven't, they didn't get there very often before last week, but they weren't nearly as bad earlier in the season as they were last week. And it became, I, I don't know, they would they run nine plays inside the 10 and and did nothing with them? Something that was really, that some awful numbers coming out of that. Why and how do they change that? What did they say this week that leads you to believe they will change it or can? Well, yeah, you know, I think that Matt Nagy did put some of that on himself. He, he didn't, he pointed the thumb on one of the, the running calls for David Montgomery. And you guys remember the... The attempt where they had Adam Shaheen isolated to the to the outside, and you know obviously one on one, and it was sort of an underhand slant. It was actually it was a slant pattern basically by Shaheen and Negi said that that should be a lob that that should be a play that you allow Adam Shaheen to use his physical gifts, his height and strength and all that kind of stuff. So I think that if they get themselves in that position again that you're going to see some different type of play calling maybe even maybe we even see Matt Nagy go back to being creative because we haven't seen that this year obviously there hasn't been any of the the famous Matt Nagy plays and maybe this is the place to do it in in the red zone in those goal to go spots where they were what one for three or one for four last week and you know you do have the Doug Peterson factor and the Philly factor and all that kind of stuff um, you know, to where you know maybe he wants to show him a little something, something. But it actually may be a practical idea to see a little bit of of trickery down there because they, it, it was effective last year. That, that was one thing that worked really well last year. Were were Matt Nagy's fun plays. Um, Trey Burton suddenly on the injured list, uh, limited on Friday uh, in advance of playing his old team, the Eagles, and obviously some. You know, had a, a bumpy run last year leading up to the Eagles game and did not play. What what are we to make of that situation? I think, Matt, I, I think he's good to go. Uh, he was on the injury list. So was um, Eddie Jackson. So was Taylor Gabriel. And we were told yesterday that it was a matter of all three of those guys having practiced on the indoor turf three days in a row because of the inclement weather that did exist in Chicago this week. So I think that that was more or less um, a formality because they were held out of practice 
And I, I have a feeling that all three of those guys will be will be good to go tomorrow. I'd be surprised if they weren't. It's interesting. People saying, I don't feel sorry for Matt Nagy on the text line. He's had a couple years to understand the players on his roster. I get all of that. I just mean when you're a, a public figure and you can't flat out say, my quarterback sucks and, and I can't do what I want to do. You know, and the other part to that too, Matt, is, you know, yes, Matt Nagy has gone through the Chicago media grinder. There is no doubt about it. But uh, on the overall, this guy has been, and, I, and I, I guess I say this relative to other Bears coaches, he has been more than willing to answer questions and to give us something. He doesn't give us everything. He's like a lot of coaches that he's not going to give stuff away, but he is more descriptive and more willing to answer minutia type of questions than any coach I can remember in the past with the Bears. So there's been a lot more good with Matt Nagy than there has been bad for sure. But I mean, I get it. I get it. It's been a, it's been a rough couple of weeks for him. There's no doubt about it. So is the consensus that every time he <clears throat> wears a team mistake or obfuscates the way he did with the special teams thing and Chris Tabor and the way it, that he's covering for Mitch in every possibility and in every situation, every possible manifestation, because you even heard Mitch acting, sounding really stupid. Well, I did what they told me to do. Where did we, what did you see? Well, you said you knelt, you knelt down on the left hash. Well, then that was the play. Without answer, without actually saying that he screwed up, because if you go back and you parse that, he never admitted he screwed up, and he was being, you know, a, a defiantly a weenie, and he came off sounding bad, and so did the coach. So it, every time the coach decides he's going to wear something, everything points to his his fragile quarterback. Am I well, wrong there, or is that? Am I connecting the dots correctly? No, I think it depends on the the scenario. It depends. I'll, I'll give you. Here's what I think. I think it, if he is really specific in what he is taking the blame for, if he says like he did, where he said I should have had Mitchell Trubisky throw a lob play to Adam Shaheen. I should have done this run for David Montgomery. When he's that specific, then I think he's being genuine and saying that's on me, man. Uh, but if it's more general. And I, you know, I can't give you an exact example right now. I'm just giving, I'm just giving you some, some ideas here, mm-hmm. Steve. That if it's more general and it's more like, hey, you know, that's that's all of us. You know, if you, if you hear that answer, that's sometimes an indicator when it when it's everybody's fault, it's my fault, it's his fault, it's the entire office. Then then maybe you can speculate that it comes down to to one guy. But it's all speculation, and it, and it's what I think everybody is doing, trying to figure it out because we don't know specifically the answer. Three years ago today in Cleveland, Mark Grody, I bought you a grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, so good. <laughs> I did, from down in the concourse, and then I brought it up to the press box and delivered it as you were manning uh, manning the board, getting ready to do post-game. Cubs won the World Series. Where does that rank in moments in your sporting life to have been there for it? Sir. I mean, yeah, I mean, that has to be, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's really even close. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, I, I did cover the, the White Sox wall to wall. I did go to, I was in Houston down on the field interviewing Steve Perry and uh, various other White Sox, and, <laughs> which was, which was an absolute blast too. But yeah, be, actually being part of the broadcast and having Matt Spiegel in there indeed <laughs> um, was huge. So yeah, I think like the, 
the the worst part about that, you know, this side of the Rajay Davis home run was the rain delay when it began. Because I was like, because there had been some, I don't know if you guys know this, there had been some questionable decisions made by Joe Madden in that game. Um, so it was rain delay theater time, and I was just horrified by how negative it was about, it was about to be. The, the game is tied, Madden had made weird decisions, and I'm the guy who has to now cover for the next uh, two hours. Luckily, we all know how fast that, that ended, and then a slow roller to Chris Bryant, and boom, we're off to the races. So and now was, we can't wait to trade Chris Bryant, so looking yeah, forward to that. that. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I, I feel like, okay, I, I was lucky I was there when it was at the peak of its powers, and who knows where it goes from here. It goes to Philadelphia, so good luck there. Safe travels. Bears, indeed. Thanks, guys. i gotta, uh, I got to get on my plane now, so it's yes. perfect timing. Later. There you go. Thanks. I hope uh, the Bear Line treats you well. Yes, yeah, right. Mark Grody at the Bearport. And uh, I don't know. I'm not real optimistic about this whole thing. We'll take a break, and uh, when we come back, yeah. we there is a team that won – there is a winning team in Chicago. There is a team that did not disappoint us in the last 24 hours. This segment was brought to you by Amazon. Holiday hiring at Amazon starts now. Earn up to $16 an hour. No resume, no previous experience required. Choose from a variety of shifts. Find your opportunity at Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon, an equal opportunity employer. So we'll be back with Schuster, and we will. he is the voice of the Bulls pregame, postgame, halftime, all that stuff here on The Score, and we'll talk to him about about the Zach Levine finish, the fact that Laurie Markkinen can't show up in the fourth quarters anymore. Okay, wasn't that what this season was supposed to be about? Spiegel and Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.